Thanks for listening to the Journey Christian Church podcast. We're on a mission to make disciples who love God, love people, and serve the world. Our prayer is that this message encourages you today. And remember, Journey is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and through Jesus, anything is possible. Hey, so good uh, to see you. Good morning. I want to welcome everybody joining us online as well as Lake County. And, and let me maybe, I don't know if I'm the first to tell you this, but maybe I am. Hey, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. It is just good to, to be in this season, and I'm so glad you're here. If this is your first time here, I want to welcome you. We are in this series we are kicking off called Christmas Soundtracks. The whole idea is we're gonna listen to a song each week and we're gonna unpack the biblical truths that come out of that song. And we're gonna kind of just dive into that. And today's song is, Do You Hear What I Hear? And, and that song was written in 1962. It became famous in 1963 when Bing Crosby uh, officially came out with that song and it's been a hit ever since. There are four lines to that song that uh, kind of are the stanzas, if you will. The first one is, do you see what I see. And as we look at this, I want you to imagine God saying this. Do you see what I see? And what would it like, look like in your life if you saw what God saw? The next one is, do you hear what I hear? Do you know what I know? Imagine what your life would be like if you knew what God knew. And then, he's, and then the last stanza in the song is, listen to what I say. And we're going to unpack that song today. Before we do, I kind of want to dive into the idea of where this uh, kind of this series, this idea of soundtracks came on because it has a double meaning. Yes, we're going to listen to a song and unpack it, but there's a book out there called Soundtracks by speaker and author John Acuff. And he came out with this idea on soundtracks, talking about the idea of how many people overthink. And he talks about this idea that the most important conversation you could have with anybody is the conversations you have with yourself. And if that's true, what are you telling yourselves? And we have these conversations over and over about every area of our life, and he calls those soundtracks. And here's what we know. When we don't control our thoughts, our thoughts control us. Second Corinthians, this is what Paul uh, would agree on. He says, take every, cap thought, thought, take every cap captive thought to make it obedient to Christ. Second Corinthians 10.5. In 1968, there was a scientist, he published a, a, a research project. He said there's a minimum number of potential thought patterns and the average lifespan in 1968. And he said the minimum amount that you could have is, is the, the number's too big, I can't even say it. It's one followed by six and a half million miles of zeros. One, and then there's six and a half million miles of zeros. That's how many thoughts and thought patterns the average lifespan could have. Another study came out and said that 80% of our thoughts can possibly be negative. Now, I don't know, I, it's above my pay grade to know the validity of either one of those, but it can sound true. When I talk to people, when I think about my own thought, and it's no wonder that my mind can sometimes feel like its own Twitter account that only remembers every negative comment that's ever come into my life. And I don't know if that's you or maybe it's just me. And that's what, John would say, John Acuff would say, are broken soundtracks. Bro broken soundtracks are the negative voices that we tell ourselves on a consistent basis. And whether we choose the playlist we listen to or not, uh, it doesn't take a lot of effort for the negative soundtracks to come into our life. For example, you don't have to wake up tomorrow and try to be insecure. It's just going to come. You don't have to wake up tomorrow to be fearful or to have doubt. 
It takes no effort. And if you don't choose the playlist you listen to, it's going to play you. And so this idea is how can we choose the playlist that we listen to? One example is here in, in a couple weeks, we're going to have a new year. And in 2022, there are going to be 52 Mondays. And there are some of us that have a broken soundtrack that sounds like this. Mondays are the worst. And maybe you've said that. I've said that before. Maybe that's a soundtrack. You just hit play every single Monday. And so what that means is before we even get to next year, you've already written off 52 days in 2022. And that sounds funny, but how many of us play that every single Monday? It's going to be a bad day. And what if you just changed the song to Psalm 118, 24? And every Monday, instead of Mondays are the worst, you said, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to be glad in it. Just in that one soundtrack, that just change of that one song, you now have redeemed 52 days of next year because you know God's in it. And if he's in it, then you're excited about it because God's made Mondays just like he's made Fridays. Can I get an amen? There we go. And so we're going to tackle this idea of soundtracks in our life. Second Timothy 1, 7 says this, for the spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Whether you're online, Lake County, I think, I think anybody would know this wherever you're at. How many of y'all know I-4 I traffic is, is bad? How many of y'all know that? Okay, if you're, if you're not uh, able to see it, everybody raise their hand. Okay, so if we all know that I-4 traffic's bad, then why are we shocked every time we get on I-4? It's like, it's like you are surprised by traffic, and this is what we accidentally do. We allow I-4 traffic to dictate the quality of your day. And what if you just changed the playlist? You see, we already know it's going to be bad. Don't be surprised by it. And it's that same concept that there was a, a story that Harvey McKay came out with. This is years ago. This is pre-Uber. So this is when cabs and cab drivers were uh, predominant. And, the, and he shares this story. I want to read it to you. I think it's really good. It'll take a couple minutes. And listen to what he says. He says he was waiting in line for a ride at the airport. When a cab pulled up, the first thing Harvey noticed was the taxi was polished to a bright shine. Smartly dressed in a white shirt, black tie, freshly pressed, pressed black slacks, the cab driver jumped out and rounded the car to open the back passenger door for Harvey. He handed him a laminated card and said, I'm Wally, your driver. While loading your bags in the trunk, I'd like you to read my mission statement. Taken back, Harvey read the card and it said, Wally's mission statement to get my customers to their destination the quickest, safest, cheapest way possible in a friendly environment. This blew Harvey away, especially when he noticed that the inside of the cab matched the outside, spotlessly clean. As he slid behind the wheel, Wally said, would you like a cup of coffee? I have a thermos of regular and one of decaf. Harvey half-jokingly said, no thanks, I prefer soft drinks. Wally smiled and said, no problem, I have a cooler up front with regular and diet, water or orange juice. Almost stuttering, Harvey said, I'll take a Diet Coke. Handing him his drink, Wally said, if you'd like something to read, I have the Wall Street Journal, Time Magazine, Sports Illustrated, and USA Today. As they were pulling away, Wally handed, Wally handed his friend another laminated card. These are the stations I get and the kind of music they play. If you'd like to listen to radio, just let me know and I'll switch it to your station. And as if that weren't enough, Wally told Harvey that he had the air conditioning on and if he asked for a temperature that was different, just to let him know. And then he advised Harvey of the best route for his destination at that time of day. He also let him know that he'd be happy to chat with him and tell him about some of the sights or if Harvey preferred to leave him alone with his own thoughts. Harvey was absolutely amazed and blown away by this and he asked the driver, tell me, Wally, have you always served customers like this? Wally smiled. 
and to the rearview mirror. He said, no, not always. In fact, it's only been the last two years. My first five years driving, I spent most of my time complaining like all the rest of the cabbies do. Then I heard a guy on the radio one day and he said this. He said, if you're expecting to have a bad day, you'll rarely disappoint yourself. The guy on the radio said, stop complaining, differentiate yourself from competition. Don't be a duck, be an eagle. Ducks quack and complain, eagles soar above the crowd. That hit me right between the eyes, said Wally. That guy was talking about me. I was quacking and complaining, so I decided to change my mindset and become an eagle. I looked around at all the other cabs and the cab drivers, and they were dirty, their drivers were unfriendly, and the customers weren't happy, so I decided to make some changes. I put in a few at a time. When my customers responded well, I did more. It took, and the guy asked, he said, I take it it's paid off for you. Harvey said, it sure has. My first year as an eagle, so now this is identity. My first year as an eagle, I doubled my income from the previous year. This year, I'll probably quadruple it. He said, as a matter of fact, you were lucky to get me today. I don't sit at cab stands anymore. My customers call me for appointments on my cell phone and leave a message. If I can't get them, I get a reliable cabbie friend to do it and I take a piece of the action. Wally was phenomenal. Listen to what he says. He was running a limo service out of a yellow cab. All because he changed the soundtrack. You see, he woke up one day and he just said, this is gonna be a horrible day and he complained about it and he just lived life with this negative mindset and then one day he just decided to change the soundtrack. He decided to change the playlist. That's what Romans 12, two talks about. Do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, changing and challenging the way you think, that was the central theme of Jesus' message, Sermon on the Mount. One of his most popular messages was Sermon on the Mount, and that's what he was challenging. He said, hey, I know you think like this, and I'm gonna challenge you to change your mind. I, I know you're coming in with this set of songs and playlists that you're used to. I'm gonna challenge you to change the channel and have a new way of thinking. That was the whole idea of the Sermon on the Mount. So here's three questions I wanna give you when you're deciding what songs to listen to in your playlist. And to kind of give it as, as an example, uh, I'll use this framework. There, there are some dads here that you travel for work, and maybe the song and the playlist you've listened to for many years is, because you travel, you're a horrible dad. And I want that to be the framework, and I want you to listen to these three questions. The first question is, is it true? Whatever it is that you're playing in your head, put whatever example you have, is that statement true? Are you the worst dad in the world? Are you the worst mom in the world? Are you the worst employee? Are you the worst son? Whatever it is, is that true? Specifically, are you the worst dad in the world? No, no, you're not. That's probably Darth Vader. Okay, that's the worst dad in the world. You're, that's not you. And if there's something serious in your life and you got a diagnosis, you would probably get a second opinion. So if you think you're the worst dad in the world, get a second opinion. This is what's gonna happen when you go and ask a buddy if you're the worst at this or whatever your soundtrack is. They're gonna say, no, that's ridiculous. And then chances are they're gonna confess their own soundtrack. And so the first one, is it true? The second one, when you're thinking about what goes on over and over in your head, is it helpful? Is me playing this song over and over and over in my head helpful? And the answer is no. The third question would be, is it kind? Is the soundtrack you're listening to kind to yourself? Do you leave encouraged or discouraged? When John Acuff wrote the book, they did a research where they researched 10,000 overthinkers. So they researched 10,000 people that overthink and they, one of the, the outcomes of it said that 73% of them come out feeling inadequate. 73% of people who overthink feel inadequate. You see, and that's a problem because Jesus says 
that you're enough. Jesus says that you're worth more than you can imagine. That's what the cross proved, not that you're inadequate, but that you are his. And this is what Paul talks about in Philippians 4, 8. He says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You see, Paul understood the power of the mind. Several years ago, it may have been, I don't know, maybe eight, 10 years ago, came out with this thing uh, where I just wanted to help change the songs I was listening to. So came up with this idea of kind of giving myself daily declarations. Now, these are statements that I'm not saying are true about myself, but these are statements that I wanted to step into every day. And at first, I read them every single day. Now I read them probably two or three times a week. I'm not gonna read all 10, but I'm gonna read four of them to you. This is just an idea of what that might look like to change the playlist in your life. The first one is, I pray with expectation. I know there is power in prayer as there is power in faith. I'll continue to beat on heaven's door for any and all prayer requests that echo God's will. I believe God moves mountains and that prayer moves the heart of God. So I say this every week. I pray with expectation. And when I say that over and over, I'm reaffirming a theological truth that I'm stepping into. The next one I wanna say is this, I am an encourager. I'll pan for gold and others because I realize everyone is made in the image of God, but few know or remember it. I am an optimist, I'll assume the best, not the worst in others. The third one I'll, I'll, I'll share with you is I'm a joy-filled person. I realize that joy is a choice and I choose to be grateful for I know that God has been so kind to me. I'll rejoice in every season. I'll sing his praises just as loud in the valleys as I do on the mountaintops. I refuse to complain when life doesn't go my way for I know that complaining erodes unity, exposes immaturity, and avoids responsibility. And the last one is I am close to Jesus. I am who I am because of Jesus. I realize that my day and my life rises and falls based on if I choose, if I am close, or if I am far from him. I meet with Jesus daily because I can't do this life without him. I meet with him daily because I need forgiveness daily. I need daily renewal and a daily reminder that I am his and he is mine. I gladly sit at his feet. It's not a chore, it's an honor. This might sound weird, but I'm telling you, this has changed my life. When I step into these phrases every single week, and I don't know what that might look like for you, maybe you come up with your own three, maybe you come up with your own one. I just know this, if you don't direct your thoughts, your thoughts will direct you. And if you've not had any, given any thought, then you're just giving yourself away to whatever advertisement, whatever culture the world does. And I'm telling you, the word of God has something completely different than whatever the culture is trying to tell you. I saw this idea play out in real time. I don't know how many of y'all are fans of the show, AGT, America's Got Talent. And uh, America's Got Talent's this big talent show and our family likes to watch it. And there was this, there was this girl named Madeline Bailey who blew me away, we're watching it, and she is a singer-songwriter, and what Madeline decided to do is she would post all of her songs on YouTube. And on YouTube, the problem is people can comment on YouTube. And anytime people can comment, that's when the trolls and the haters come. You know what I'm talking about. Oh my gosh, y'all live like you ain't got no haters. Okay, so, <laughs> so it's got all these haters and trolls that come out, and so what she decided to do, instead of listening to that soundtrack, she decided to spin it. And I want you to listen in and listen to how she spun the trolls and the haters in her life. So what are you gonna do for us tonight? What is this song tonight? Yeah, so with posting content on the internet, it inevitably comes the trolls. <laughs> and so I thought I would take the hate comments from my YouTube videos and turn them into a song. That's a good idea. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. So tonight, you're gonna take ugliness and make it beautiful. I can't wait to hear the song. Thank you. Go ahead. 
in that room just stood and cheered and went nuts because people will cheer you on when you take something that is ugly and you make it good. And the believer, we have an advantage because we have God's word. And when we lean on that, the world stands and cheers and says, well, how do they have that confidence? How do they take what somebody meant for evil and how do they turn it to good? How can they sing like that when people are talking like that? It's because what God's word says is more valuable than what they say. And one of the things that I think she illustrated is that when it comes to the soundtracks in our life, it's not a switch that we could turn off or on. It's more of a dial that we turn up or down. Does that make sense? Here's the point of what I'm saying is it's not a problem that you're ever going to solve. You can't ever get rid of every negative comment. What you can do is it's a tension to be managed. And what we do is we crank up the volume of God so that when he says, do you hear what I hear? We can say yes, because we're cranking up the volume of God and we crank down the music of the world. And the only way we do that is by doing both. And if you had to choose only one, I would say focus on cranking up the volume of God. And when you do that, you'll be able to hear him, which means you won't hear anything else. And I don't know what your daily rhythm and weekly rhythm looks like and where it is you're cranking up the volume of God. But if you're hearing me right now, that means you're making an appointment to say, hey, every Sunday, I want the volume of God in my life to be turned up because I want to hear God. And every time that you lean into God, I promise you, God's going to lean into you. And so I just want to affirm and encourage you just for being here. I'll talk to some people and they say, man, I, I just don't hear God speak to me. And that's very common. That's very normal. I I feel like I hear God speak to me all the time. And so I'll sit across the table and they say, man, I don't understand. I don't hear God speak. And I think God loves to speak to us. As a matter of fact, I think God's always speaking to us. I think either we don't recognize his voice or we haven't made space to hear him. In the Bible, if you have your Bible, you can turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. There's a story with a couple characters in 1 Samuel chapter 3. It's in the Old Testament One of them is Eli, and you may be able to guess who the second character is. His name is Samuel. So Samuel is a young boy at this time, and Eli is his spiritual mentor. 
Eli has two sons that, are, that the Bible says are wicked. They're just running from God. They're, and so Eli kind of takes all his spiritual energy and he's not 100% pouring into his kids. He's pouring it into Samuel. And Samuel grows up to be this incredible man of God that God does incredible wonders through. But when Samuel was a boy, he, it says that in 1 Samuel 3, it says that he's going to sleep one night and he's going to bed. And as he's going to bed, he hears this voice call out, Samuel. So Samuel gets out of bed and he goes to Eli and he says, yes, Eli, you called me. And Eli's like, boy, I did not call you. You just woke me up. Go back to bed. So Eli's like, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. So Samuel goes back to bed. He goes back to bed and he hears this voice again, Samuel. So Samuel pops back up and he runs back to Eli and he wakes him up and says, Eli, what's up, my man? What can I do for you? And Eli's like, hey, listen, it's not me. Okay, go back to bed. This happens a third time. Samuel hears the voice, Samuel. He goes to Eli and he wakes him up and says, Eli, what, what can I do for you? And at this point, Eli now understands what's going on, that Eli was not calling him, but God was calling Samuel. And this is what he said. He said, go back to bed. And the next time you hear the voice call out, Samuel, say this, say, speak for your servant is listening. And so he did that. So Samuel went back to bed and he heard this voice, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel says, speak for your servant is listening. God ends up giving him a word. And that was the first of many, many words. That was the first time he heard the voice of God, but it wasn't the last time. It ended up shaping and changing his life. Let me ask you this question. What would it look like if you added to your soundtrack every day, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening? Uh, imagine what that would do to your life. If every day you just made space in your life for, for you just to say, God, speak to me. Your servant is listening. Just that one sentence has so much theology in it. Okay, it's saying speak. So you're asking God to, to speak to you. For, for your servant, so now you're placing yourself where you rightfully should be, is listening, meaning you're not talking, you're not in charge, you're submissive, and you've made time and space to listen to the voice of God. And I just wonder, what would it look like in your life if you put that playlist in your life every day? Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I love that. When it comes to hearing the voice of God, I, I think this is what I would challenge you. I don't think you are waiting for God to speak to you. I think God is waiting for you to listen. You see, I think God's always speaking. I think he's always eager to speak. Matter of fact, A.W. Towser says this. He says, you are as close to God as you choose to be. Another way I would say this, on the cross, Jesus removed every obstacle to have a relationship with you with, except for your desire. And so I think we hear God as much as we create and make time and space for him. So what does this look like and how do we flesh this out in a practical way? One of the things I, I have with me is I have a, a notebook that I do. This is a, a notebook that I kind of walk my, my morning routine and my quiet time with God. So I bust this notebook out and there are questions on here that I physically have to actually write out answers in. And so I wanna just read some of these questions to you to just um, give you some ideas how you can flesh this out. One of them says, so what I'll do is I'll read the Bible. And then the question is, what Bible verse stood out to me? What Bible verse stood out to me? And then I'll, there's a place where I, I write that down. What Bible verse stood out to me? Then the next question I got to answer is, what is God saying to me? What does he want me to know? And I'll literally sit here, sometimes for three minutes, sometimes for 10 minutes, sometimes it comes right away, but I won't go on to the next question until I answer that question. What is God saying to me? What does he want me to know? 
And then the next question is, what is God asking of me? What does he want me to do? And I'm telling you, when I sit in the stillness and the quiet and I simply ask him a question, God is eager to speak. And then I'll go on and ask, who is God asking me to encourage today? Who is God asking me to pray for today? And what is God asking me to pray for today? These are not hypothetical questions. These are questions that I have to actually write answers out and I don't go to the next one until God speaks to me. You see, I rarely hear the voice of God. Rarely do I hear the voice of God when I don't sit down and answer these questions. But almost every time that I make space and time for God and I just say, speak for your servant is listening, he most always speaks to me. And my prayer, if I had any prayer for you, would be that you would prioritize hearing the voice of God in your life like never before. Maybe if you did this practice, you would think, man, I don't know if I would recognize the voice of God. I'm gonna guess if you've never done this before, you probably wouldn't, just like Samuel didn't. And, but the more you do it, the more you'll recognize the voice of God. Sometimes when I first started this, I didn't know if it was the voice of God or if it was Taco Bell from last night. I didn't know. And I would just have to keep going back and forth. God, Taco Bell, what's going on here? And so as you do this, you'll begin to hear and recognize God's voice speaking to you. And this is what I know, that when you hear the voice of God, it will give you a, a sense of courage and conviction like you've never had before in your life. And when God speaks to you, you're willing to do anything at any time and nothing could stop you. And when God doesn't speak you, almost anything can stop you. Let me illustrate it to you like this. When I was about 21, 22, my wife and I got married. We graduated and a couple of friends, spiritual mentors of ours, they went to plant a church in Los Angeles, California. And so we prayed about it and we decided we're gonna go help plant this church in Los Angeles, in the heart of LA. And God made it so clear that this is what he was calling us to do, was to go with them. And this was not our job. We weren't going on as paid staff. We were going as laymen. And we knew for a fact that God was calling us to move to LA. And so at 21, 22 years old, we packed up our U-Haul and we, we pulled out of the driveway literally with no job in LA and with no place to live. Literally, we pulled out of the driveway and we didn't have a place to live and we didn't have any job. It was what some would call stupid. Matter of fact, I think that's what my dad probably did say. And you know what? He's 100% right. If my kids came up to me and said, hey, dad, I don't have a job. I don't have a place to live. I'm moving to LA. I, man, I would call them more than stupid. Unless God's in it. You see, if God's in it, you stop at nothing when you hear the voice of God. Literally nothing. And by the time it took us four or five days, by the time we got to LA, God provided a, a place to live and a great job. Why? Because God spoke and I was able to discern and hear him. And I think there's so many things God wants to teach us, talk to us, affirm in us, push through us, that when we hear him, it comes with this conviction. And when we don't hear him, it comes with an overwhelming sense of insecurity. So the song, do you hear what I hear? Maybe in this season, the answer is no, because everything's so noisy. Do you hear what I hear? God, no, we don't hear what you're saying. It's noisy, it's loud. And this is what I've come to understand about hearing the voice of God. He rarely shouts and he often whispers. You see, Matthew 10, 30 says that he has numbered the hairs on your head. And this is what I know. God can't number the hairs on your head from a distance. He only does it up close. 
And because he whispers, this is what it says when he spoke to Elijah, it's called a gentle whisper. Actually, the Hebrew says it's a silence that can be heard. I love that. A silence that can be heard. And let me just tell you, when somebody whispers to you, what do you do? Everybody, when somebody whispers to you, you automatically, accidentally, you lean in, don't you? When somebody begins to whisper, you just naturally lean in. I think God whispers because he's waiting for you to lean in. I think God's whispering because he's wanting you to do this. What, what was that, God? What did you say? God's not gonna shout it. He's not gonna move your steering wheel. He's gonna ask for you to submissively give it to him and, he, and, and you're just gonna, what was that, Lord? Speak, your servant's listening. This is what I know. When it comes to hearing God's voice, identity always comes before activity. Identity always comes before activity, meaning this. God wants to speak about who you are before what you do. Listen, God wants to speak who you are before what you do. He always affirms and then he assigns. I don't know about you, but why is it so much easier for me to believe the truths that God says about him more than it's for me to hear the truths that he says about me? And so maybe you've never heard the voice of God. I think the primary way that God speaks is through his word. And I don't know if you've ever heard God speak to you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to let God speak to you right now. And I just wanna share five or six different thoughts. And maybe you resonate with one of them. The first one is, I think God wants to say to you, and these are not my words, these are all from scripture, which means it's from God, not from me. It says, you are his masterpiece. You're his masterpiece. I don't know what insecurity you might have, too big, too small, this, that. God says, no, 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 I didn't make you on accident. I made you on purpose, for a purpose. You are a masterpiece. I think God has your picture on his fridge and when he sees it, he smiles. God says in Isaiah 43, you are redeemed, which means you're forgiven. You've been given eternal life. You've been delivered from the guilt and the shame. John 1:12 says you are a child of God. What does it mean to be a child of God? It means you have full access to the Father. You know, I, I love all of you, but I can't meet with all of you all the time. And if you and I were able to meet, maybe it would only be for 30, 45 minutes, but my kids have full access to me and I get to see them whenever they want. And God says, you are my child. You have full access to the Father. John 15 says, you are a friend of Jesus. A friend means there's a relational value there. That was the whole point of Jesus coming down to build a bridge, to be friends with us. That's the whole point of Christmas. Romans says, you are no longer a slave to sin. You know what this means? There's no more tryouts. You're no longer a slave to sin. Like, like you have, God has already conquered it. You, you're not enslaved to that any longer. You have a new master and it comes with a new label. And then Romans 15 says, you've been accepted by Christ. I don't know if you've accepted Christ, but this is what you need to know. God's accepted you. God's accepted you. Which means you don't have to push your way. You don't have to try to impress him. He loves you just the way you are. You don't have to earn anything. It's not like you gotta get your stuff together and then impress God and then he'll accept you. He already accepts you. And I don't know if any of those stand out to you, but maybe God wants to speak a different word to you. That's the beauty of whenever God speaks, it's never the same song for the same person. And my encouragement would be in this season, make the time 
the space and give God permission to speak into your life and just see what happens. And maybe it's time for you to change the playlist because God wants you to think in a different way so that you can live in a different way. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your love and your mercy and your kindness. God, I pray, would you forgive us for the broken soundtracks that we've been listening to? God, I pray for the mom that's in here and she believes that she's not good enough. And the son that's here that says he can never receive forgiveness ever again because of how far he's moved. God, to the person that is in here and they think that they are consumed by their sin. God, would you help us to listen to a different soundtrack? A soundtrack based on your word, a soundtrack based on your voice, a soundtrack based in hope and in love and in grace. And that God, you would help us to take every thought captive. Because ultimately, God, we wanna, we wanna hear what it is you have to say. We wanna know what it is you know so that we can live the way you've called us to live. Not just because it honors and pleases you, but it's actually what's best for us. So Lord, we pray, would you speak for your servants are listening. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. If you like this podcast, we post a new message every week. So make sure to click that follow button and share it with your friends. Remember, Journey is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and through Jesus, anything is possible.